You're listening to an episode of the 11th Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Mellencon of Debacle Records. And I'm Brad Rose of Foxy Digitalis. And normally, each week, one of us picks a song and we discuss all our complicated and repetitive feelings about it. (laughs) (laughs) But instead, we are on the journey to the end. And we are counting down a last couple few songs that we wanted to make sure we got to before ending the podcast. Dun, 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 dun. Exactly. So this week we're taking our um, our focus to one of my favorite albums, one of Brad's favorite albums, and a very important album in my sort of history with the band, uh, Life Won't Wait. And there's two songs that we really we could do. I think this is the one of the albums that we could do every single song and it wouldn't be weird. Right. Um, even 2000 that we love, like, I think that one gets repetitive life at weight or, um, let's go. I think that one got repetitive, like, cause they're very samey, like they're, they're great in the same way, you know? Yeah. But, but uh, we're not going to do that. So tough shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> As we were saying, we could, we could do almost every song on this album. We have a couple that we wanted to make sure we hit before ending the podcast. And, uh, those two songs are Corazon del Oro or De Oro and uh, Crane Fist. These are two songs that are super important to the band and to us as fans. And so I think we're going to start with Corazon del Oro. What have I become? So, this song, I don't know if you want to start or end with the loaded part of this song. I think we end uh, with the loaded part. Okay, that's fine. This song was I mean, part of Life yeah. Wait. I don't know. Uh, let's do the ramble, the normal ramble. Yeah. Uh, July, June 30th, 1998, these both came out on. Uh, Tim is credited for the songwriting on this one. The players, uh, Vic, is on this. You'll uh, you'll notice that a lot of our favorite songs um, on this album, Vic was on. Vic was like across. Like you look at the Vic credits on this album, and it's like yeah, nearly every song. Um, and not and then, just organ too, by the way. Which is I noticed he plays like guitar on a track and percussion on some song. Yeah, I mean it's interesting that we just did silencers because it does really feel like this was like the moment where he could have been fully in the band or they could have fully, like we said last week, made a band with him, you know? And so it's an interesting moment. Uh, Did we ever figure out if the Will Wheaton that's on two of the tracks is actually Will Wheaton? What do you mean? It's actually Will Wheaton, which I mean, there's multiple Will Wheatons that are, Famous, the musician Will Wheaton, not the who is the Will, who's the musician that's Will famous. There's a, he, I think the guy on here is it Link. What? Yeah, there's a. If you go to Wikipedia, there's a link, but uh, um, he's it's got to be this guy. Oh, it's this guy. Okay, yeah, okay. it's not the Will Wheaton, the like sci-fi Will guy. Wheaton. Yeah, yeah, the the like nerd king. Yeah. Okay, he's just like a a studio guy yeah, it looks- Will Wheaton. okay when i came back i was like is this a thing uh he was a songwriter for tevin campbell my first tape i ever bought was a tevin campbell oh, tape. Well, there you go. um uh anyways uh yeah okay so will wheaton did some backing vocals on this 
again, they were like using what, you know, what we know about this album This they were jumping around studios. They were using very big production studios and they were using some pretty big session players here and there. And it sounds like it. They put a lot of their money that they got from yeah. How Come the Wolves back into this album. So it's really just Vic and them and probably, uh, I would guess they, you know, sprinkled in a couple other things too, either instruments or people. But um, this song is a complicated song in a lot of different ways. <laughs> it um, It is, I think if we separate the Brody stuff, which we'll talk about at the end, and really you can't separate it, but we'll just in terms of the order in which we talk about it, it is probably most known for most people as the beginning being like the hardest if you can't handle Tim's voice, this is the one where they turn off the record. <laughs> right. I feel like, I think, right? It's gotta be. It's gotta right? be. If, if it's not this, I'm curious what it is. I mean, this is the oh, most, he's just let it, let it fly, right? Where he's just like, in New York, you know, like, it's just, it's, you know, I think her, and he really like holds it like in that like way, like when you're a kid and you go like, ah, like it's like, it's literally sounds like he's doing that. Well, and there, and, and on top of that, like, it's just over this like solemn, these the organ oh, chord it's progression. Oh, so cheesy. It's, it's yeah. so crazy cheesy and it's so hard on your sleeve. Um, Little musical theater, which again um, we, we realized is, is this is. I mean, this this is a cool. musical theater song, like two wrapping up the yeah. Like I mean, yeah, especially exactly. like into the end of that verse, like what have I? You know, you see him they're like you know looking in the mirror. What, what have, have I, I become? And he's all yeah, like, yeah, and then 100%. and then and then the come up, now and then that, like and it goes everybody, <laughs> and then everybody jumps on stage. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. They all come out from behind stuff and like this right. big chorus comes out and, and Was there a video for I, this I song? I don't, I don't think they made a video for this, did they? I don't know. I don't think they made uh, a video for this song. Because there was some they, life away. They, like, I was going to say like, if they did, God, they should have really leaned into the, like, I want somebody to make yeah, a video yes. for this song that is full on musical theater. Yes. Easy, yeah. Anyway, but it's just it. But it is also really interesting in that I do think that there's a big difference between the intro and the rest of the song, because in my head, I think of this song and I think of that intro and that's mm-hmm. kind of like the whole mental picture. But the, it's this really good. Ska song, like it's just this really, really good. Right. It's super like a- in the pocket ska song. It's like a really good, yeah, like uh, Outcome the Wolves style ska song. Like it's, to me, it's, I don't know, I, I can't remember, but it's like one of the songs on Life Won't Wait that is feels most connected to Outcome the Wolves in that way. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about it exactly in that way, but you're right. You're super right. But it's got... You know, it's it's very Vic. Yeah. There's there's all these there's actually actually some like key changes, I think, in there. Like it does some really interesting um shifts and slides and, and has some movement to it, like 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 meaning like musical move like the 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 
again, there's key changes and whatnot. And like, there's these movement sections to the song that mm-hmm. really change things up. And it was pretty ambitious. And I do wonder if Vic wasn't in the room, if Brett Gerwitz wasn't in the room, you know, it would be my other guess. Some of these other players, like, could they have pulled off the song? I don't know if yeah. they really could have. I, I wonder that too. And so it also really, really, a, a thought that has come up this week to me listening to Life Won't Wait is, I, I think we've said this before, but as as much as like you can definitely point to the clash for this era of Life Won't Wait and Outcome the Wolves, Life Won't Wait, I guess I need to get into Springsteen because it it's pretty Springsteen-y, right? Like overall. Yeah, I mean, I think, hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, Backslide is really Springsteen-y. <laughs> Um, but I think a lot of the tone of this song, and if you took away the backbeat of this song, yeah, and just took the chords and the epic kind of pop, like anthemness of this song. God, yeah, if you could turn this song, like take it, like make it, and not a ska song. <laughs> yeah, uh, like same chord progression, same everything. Like, yeah, total Springsteen vibe. Total Springsteen right? vibe. And I can, I can, and like, I can even, I can hear Bruce singing it now. I can, like, yeah. much better than. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, huh? Did, did we ever talk about like is Sam Sadomsky a fan of Rancid? Was a question I had. I don't know, like, because you'd feel like he would be of this era, but like, was he too young or like, or I don't actually don't know how old he is, but like. He's younger than us. Well, he's younger than me. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was. I mean, you know, more than me. Yeah, but. I think I feel like when he wrote for Foxy, which granted this was ten plus years ago, he was in like his early twenties. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, so I don't but, know. That's but he likes certain things that make him seem older too. At the oh, same time, oh, absolutely. So it's hard. Yeah, to, and he's hard to tell. Yeah, but um, he's a for people that don't know, he's a pretty amazing. Uh, music journalist that you know it's kind of everywhere and yeah he uh, he was it's kind of he was just like the I mean I, he just got laid off but was mm-hmm. one of the top editors at Pitchfork for a while and um, his He's, foremost area of expertise among many is Bruce Springsteen like yeah I always think of him as a Springsteen and his writing on Springsteen is wonderful like I mean his writing is he's yeah. And so, and like my connection with Sam is that he, in his very early days as a music writer, wrote for Foxy Digitalis, which still kind of blows my mind. But he had a, yeah, he had like a, he was part of the blogosphere during like the noise blog days, like the blog spot days, yeah. even I remember, and would write about early debacle of megabats and stuff, and was always kind. And, you know, even when that, I don't even know how much of that stuff is his favorite, but he like kind of saw his in into making. His stuff. I, th- I think he likes all that stuff too, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like, I think his, you know, the more rock jangly stuff of that world was more his right. home. And I think he, um, he really became the foremost guy. And I do wonder maybe he, he, if he had like gotten into rancid in this era, like would he have a soft spot for them or does he have a soft spot for them? I don't know. Just because this, I was just listening to this album being like, you like that vibe. It seems like you'd like um, I'll, this album. I'll send him an email. 
<laughs> well, I really do want to know. Like, like send him a DM on Instagram or something. It, uh, like and be like, hey, like have you ever listened to Life Won't Wait or or especially Life Won't Wait and be like, is that on your radar at all? And then if it is, like, have you ever listened to it through the lens of like Bruce? I think I think that's like the same thing. The thing it always connects to me is we know that um like the two things that um. Uh, Stephen King loves is Bruce Springsteen and Rancid. And Wait, I think what? he likes it for that. Yeah. I don't know. You don't know about this? No, I don't know. This is news to me. Stephen, Stephen King's King a big is a Rancid huge fan? Rancid fan. Yes, he's a huge Rancid fan. Holy shit. <laughs> and he loves Bruce Springsteen. Wow. And I think there's like this really obvious overlap. Well, and, and he. No. So here's a funny thing. We're not talking about Echo on the Wolves, but whatever. When it came out, yeah, yeah. like, there, I have a recording. I. I, I somewhere where I mean I've talked about my friend John and I I've talked about John in here like we were Rancid fans and then yeah, we, yeah, yeah. then we kind of thought they were lame and would we recorded a bunch of stuff where we I don't know it's amazing to me that we weren't high as fuck but we were stone cold sober <laughs> recording stuff and there because we were making fun of Outcome the Wolves as a lot of like the Rolling Stones thing because Lockstock mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there is a section on that same tape where we are, we're talking specifically, I think, more about Lars, but we talk about like how I had this whole thing about how Lars wanted to be the punk rock Bruce Springsteen because he'd have all these songs mm-hmm. that felt like a lot of his lyrics would feel like it would be like, down behind the factory in my Camaro, you know, like, which yeah, is what yeah, I associate yeah, yeah. with. So I think this like rancid Springs, you know, and then when I was like 15 or 16, whatever it was, I thought that was lame as fuck. But now, as I've grown up and grown to fucking love Bruce Springsteen, I'm like, no, I see it, and that all makes sense. Why, you know, like, in my head, why these things, like, hit me the way they do. Yeah. You know? I don't know. So. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think I think this song, at its best, is, is like, a great example of the that... <clears throat> And it's like why Joe Strummer is great. Like, I think Joe Strummer, like, there's a reason a bunch of Bruce Springsteen folks were the guys that did the tribute to Joe Strummer. Like, like there's a real connection between the Joe Strummer sort of British version of being like the British version of Springsteen. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, absolutely. He, yeah. Like, like, I think, I think that's a, a disconnect that as I, as I've aged, I started to be like, oh, I think I like parts of Bruce Springsteen. I just haven't taken the time to dive in. Mm-hmm. And, and I more and more figure out what these signifiers are. And I'm hearing it in more places that I like and being like, it's a weird gap for me that I'm not like deeper on any. It's not like I haven't heard any or anything, sure. but you know, there's, there's a big difference between like really knowing what I'm talking about and whatnot and being just a little too young that it was like, wasn't really in the ether as much because I'm, I'm more of a nineties, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a really, I'm a really old millennial and not a Gen Xer. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, like I'm, a, I'm the, I'm the youngest Gen Xer and, or no, I think, I don't know when it's 80 now. Uh, you are because yeah, that's like my wife. You're like, like the youngest Gen Xer you can be basically 79, the cutoff or 80. Yeah. 78, 79. Okay. Like, yeah. So Woo! you're basically the, the, yeah. So, and I'm, you know, four or five years younger than that. So, like, I'm, yeah, I just missed it just a little bit. But you lived more in the 80s. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, mean, I remember my sister ha- having a Born in the USA tape, and I stole it. Yeah. Right, and that, that wouldn't have made as much sense for right. me. But, yeah, so, anyways, this song especially, and for all it's good, is like, oh, yeah, there's this great kind of powerful anthemic rock, and then 
kind of through that lens of that strummery kind of ska and 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 punk sort of vibe and then with the tim <laughs> poetic thing on top of it and then it's them at the height of it's also a good time for them be trying to do that because they could they could actually go into a studio that could handle that that sort of right. sound right like um they could get big you know like this was their biggest sounding record by far um and not like pretend big it just sounded big i mean again i think this is the last one that's probably recorded to tape maybe 2000 was but like this one feels like it's on two inch tape you know what i mean absolutely at least some part of it is on two inch tape and uh yeah it's just it, it is also really funny to me how much when I listen to it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, this has all these parts to it that I don't even... Ass- I think of that as a different song than the beginning and outro where they kind of get back into that, like, girl with a heart of gold thing. Like, the verses are really interesting and it has that really interesting, like, double-time bass mm-hmm. part. It's just... It, there's a lot of depth in this song. And and I was re- really going, like, oh, we're going to have to talk about the the weird vocals and, and of course, the topic of, of the song and who it's about and everything. But, like... Really great playing on it. One of the best solos. I, do you think that's a Lars solo? It must be, right? Uh, it's got to be. Although, yeah, it I sounds, don't know. It's. I feel like it's, it's got that kind of slower thing where it goes, like it, where it rocks on two notes a little bit, and that feels like a Tim thing. Yeah, but then there's other parts that are really fast. <laughs> right. I mean, there's parts where I'm like, I don't know that Tim has the skill to play that <laughs> but you know i mean that's not fair i think i think tim is a much better guitarist than uh, um especially in the studio i think right. tim does a lot more yeah than I, it's, think. you can't really you have to take the live video like live performances <laughs> with a grain of salt because it's he's in he's, he's just crazy yeah, and he's can't in stay stage, focused yeah, and he's 80 yeah, exactly, so. um uh but yeah there's i don't know there's I thought of this song as being a lot more one note, which is funny because it's one of their most advanced, more complicated, interesting songs. And and even just revisiting it this week, I was like, oh yeah, there's this is a big fucking anthem, you know? Right. Like, I mean, it is. I mean, it's well, yeah, it's it is, and we and we talked about the. I don't know if we talked about this on the episode where we were talking about what we were picking. I don't know. So if I'm repeating myself, whatever. Uh, um. I'm going into the bad stuff now. Yeah, yeah, go for it. But it is this almost too perfect encapsulation of why my feelings, many people's feelings, I think, about this band are not straightforward. Because all of these, like, if if this song was about his 25-year-old girlfriend, it's time. There would be like, oh, okay. Like, it would be easy, I think, to say, like, this is, this is like S tier rancid. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, it was, there was times in my life where I would put this in, like, my top three. Yeah. Rancid songs. Like, it is that good. And, and it, I was, like, perfectly, like, it, it was perfectly, at my like, the right timing for me, too. It was, like, I was ready for a very sweet song. Well, and even ahead, well, and even for me, like, when, you know, as we've talked about for the past two years, like, Life Won't Wait, I'd kind of checked out mostly by then. This was the one song that caught me. And Oh, really? Yeah. And I think part of it is, like I was saying, is it, it's one of the ones that feels most connected to Outcome the Wolves. So, it, like... It was easier for me to grab onto, but so it's it like 
while Life Won't Wait as a whole, I have been late to, this song has been in my brain or whatever for a long time. So, but it's not about his 25-year-old girlfriend. It's about his teenage girlfriend. It's about, and, and, and yes, and, and, but this is, and, and this is the age, this is the age-old fucking question that we've talked about and people are maybe sick of, but whatever. We only got a few episodes of this show left, and this is where we're going to fucking talk about it on these few episodes. Like, this is where you, like, can you compartmentalize those things? Can you, like, how do you, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I go back and forth on what, like, where's the line? Like, what can I, like, with any artist, we've, you know, we've talked about Kanye West on here before and how, like, it, there was a point where I was like, I can't fucking do it. I've checked it. I, I still fucking love 808s and Heartbreak. I still think it's one of the best albums ever made. And I still fucking listen to it sometimes. And I get, and it, I fucking love it. And then I get, but I'm also bummed out that it's like, now, I mean, with Kanye, it's easier because I don't give two, like, the stuff he's been doing is, it's not for me. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not. So, you know, I'm trying to think of. Yeah, other artists. Right, who but- are like, Hugely problematic, but making great shit. I don't know. I can't, like... I, I mean, we even, like, have a really hard time as a group confronting some of the stuff that David Bowie did, right? Like, like, like Iggy Pop, David Bowie. Like, there's, there's there was stuff that was less... Sh- like, people going, hey, what the fuck? In that era that, that are, like, we all know about. That it's like... And we will go, this is one of the greatest humans in the world, blah, 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 blah. And kind of move on, you know what I mean? And 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 like, uh, this is not a. But these people did that, you know. Right. But it's like it is a. There's an interesting thing about how that certain people kind of get lumped together, and then certain people are like it's it's over, you know. And it's like it, it's it's kind of shocking, and and. I I mean I I have a hard time listening to this song. I have a hard time listening to the back half of Life Won't Wait because there's a lot of stuff about about you know you get this vibe of like hanging out with Brody you know and you're like or him pining for Brody mm-hmm. and you're like blah you know right. like you know that she stayed in Australia for a little while and they were talking and like and he was basically probably grooming her you know in his dumbass way he, you know like um, I think she was also probably like yeah this is gonna be great you know and and it's you know it's just fucking it's not good and it's stupid and you're just like what the fuck is wrong with you tim and like it's not something he comes back from and it's not smart and i think he has had a worse career before because of it i think he can't go do open press because of it Mm -hmm. you know i think they are in more insular band because of it I think the more time gets between us and it, he will just look worse and worse. So like, and, and they'll just become more and more like us versus them, you know, either you're a real fan or you're, you know, right. you're, you backed him or not. And it's just this horrible thing, but like enough distance and pr- hopefully enough therapy and thought processing has gone on where he realizes that he fucked up, which is different than any sort of fixing it or trying to do anything. But it does seem like enough people have come back around to work with him that, you know, I'm not his buddy, so I don't need to, like, know all this stuff. But, like, 
it does seem like there's been something, but that's also me hoping because yeah. I'm a fan and I like his music and I just hope that that's true. Yeah. But it's gross, man. Like, and when you're confronted with this song, like, right. Like for some reason it's like indestructible is gross because it's like on top of that, he just handled it so badly. Yeah. But like the original sin is still there. You know what I mean? Like even if he handled the, the breakup, well, that's not the problem. Right. Like lots of stupid rock stars handle breakups, like ugly and gross. Like, the ongoing stuff with with her with Josh Homme is disgusting and gross, but I don't like. I'm not like that man should be jailed. You know, right. Maybe he should be, but actually, yeah. for some of the sure. stuff that's been going on, but like, but I'm like, that's just gross, dysfunctional people being gross, dysfunctional people who are adults. Like, th- and this that's has the this key other word, layer. Adults. Yeah. Like yeah. that's like, the yeah. I, that, it, <laughs> yeah, and it's again like I don't know, and I. I have a hard time listening to this song too. Like I don't, I, it's such a bummer, man. Like, I know. It's taking this album, like 98 was really important to me. There's like this album. I was like, Oh, I finally have a rancid album. That's for me. Not just for my friends who told me about rancid. I finally have a beastie boys album. That's like for me, you know, like hello nasty was the same year. And also had the same weird world beating. Like we're going to go anywhere, do anything. We have all the money. We have all the time. Right. Like I think of those records as being very similar. Like there was this sort of moment happening and like, I, I I had a new girlfriend uh, and I felt very excited about her too. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, so like this song was so important to me and it's like, I can't even really, I have a hard time listening to the band and this song. And it, and if I, you know, hadn't like forced us, you know, via this podcast, you know, if we hadn't forced each other to go listen to Rancid a lot, I wasn't listening to Rancid a lot because it's kind of weird to listen to Rancid. Mm-hmm. And so that's a man, that's a really good point. Sorry, I never thought, I'm like, God, how much Rancid was I listening to? And would I, like, yeah. And why, yeah, why the fuck did I want to do, like, because I wasn't listening to, like, if I, anytime my go to, if I was like wanting something, like, I would listen to Op Ivy because it doesn't, mm-hmm. like, yes, Tim was part of Op Ivy, but like, it's weird how that works, like yeah. the time frame. It's like, it's before the bad things. So it's less with Kanye, it's like 808s and Heartbreaks. His mom was still alive, and I feel like the sliding doors thing didn't happen yet, where, like, he yeah. lost his mind. Right. You know, like, not to give forgive him for th- fucking awful sins and being a shithead, but, like, sometimes your brain kind of writes this history in your head where you're like, yeah, but that was before he did it, so I'm more okay with listening to those stories. It's like, right. Well, and I mean, and with Op Ivy, it's easier to compartmentalize, too, sure. because uh, Jesse is out front, and what you hear yeah. is, you know, I think most people yeah. associate up Ivy with Jesse and so, and yep. Jesse and you know, could be wrong, but cause I don't know him, but Jesse seems to be a pretty decent human being. So yeah. And that's a good point. Like with Kanye, I mean, you know, but then there, well, uh, and this, this came up on songs for our lives a couple months ago. Um, cause like one of the songs we ask, I ask on there is like, what's the song you used to love, but now you can't listen to it. You think it's like cringeworthy or whatever. And Robert Akiabri Lowe's answer, which is to me is like, this is the answer in a way, was the Ignition remix by R. Kelly. Oh, yeah. And we talked about how, like, this is legitimately one of the greatest pop songs ever. It is so fucking good, but you just can't. Like, well, I mean, let's talk about the entire history of Michael Jackson. Yeah. I mean, well, which, which is just this, in, like, full of some of the greatest pop songs ever created. And then. You're like, well, what do I do with this? Like when my kid wants to listen to Michael Jackson, right. from all the way from Jackson 5, you're like, well, 
it's this legacy of abuse, like from, from like what happens with abuse usually is an abuser becomes an abuse, like somebody who is abused becomes an abusive person. Like that's never, this never is in a vacuum, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so you're just like, no matter what era I'm listening to, somebody's in pain, you know what I mean? And it's just like, yeah. it's, 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 it's fucked up and it's tough and it's, and, and can you separate it? I'm, sure. I mean, and I, I'm sure we do. And everybody, it's different for everybody too. Like, I think that's the, you know, I mean, I think there are probably some people who, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you how to fucking no. do it. I can't, I have a hard time figuring it out for myself. Like a year and a half ago, I was not, I was like, I'm not listening to Kanye. Fuck that. And then, I don't know, eight months later, I was like, fuck, I really want to listen to, <laughs> like, I mean, we all love James Brown, but we know he's not the greatest human in the world. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, who, like who, you know, and then you can say, well, who was, but it's like, I, again, like, I don't know. I don't know. And, and why? And for what reason? Right. Like, and then you're like doing this arm's length, <laughs> like psychologist thing where you're trying to break down, well, he was shitty because of good reasons. And then you're like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and you're getting pretty deep into like philosophical discussions about like, when is evil valid and like when is what like right. and when is forgiveness okay and like when and we're we're having a really hard time with recovery and forgiveness in as a society these days yeah god and two white guys saying like ah oh, we should forgive tim armstrong is like not the greatest look in the world because because uh, we liked his music when we were right. 15 is like yeah, I'm 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 a, I'm I may be dumb, but I'm not that dumb to realize that that's not like, right. the greatest. Not even just like I'm not just trying to maintain my some image. I'm just saying that's not a good. It's not the most balanced, thoughtful set of uh, jury selecting. You know, that's, you have right there. That's not good for right. anybody except for Tim Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, I get it. And again, we've pushed people to like. We almost wanted to have a more of a push pull dynamic on this and i think a lot of people are basically in the same boat as us as like they like the music coming out of the speakers and it meant something to them before they were aware of all this stuff and it has made them frustrated mm-hmm. more than they've because the ownership they felt especially over like pop punk is usually music that you kind of put into yourself you put yourself into it you know what i mean like when you right. become a fan Absolutely. because you're doing it at this very like self-centered period of your life you know like to me, this song was me singing to my girlfriend. It wasn't Tim. Fuck Tim. Like right. I want to sing this song to my girlfriend, which is you know weird. That that's that weird thing we do with pop music, and 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 it's like, well, what does that mean then? Like, and so I don't know. The whole point of the the podcast, I think, some part of the podcast for me, and I think for you at least, it got there. I don't know if you really because I think this is our what I'm about to say is more of a cowardly thing than a good thing. So that's why I'm separating us is, uh, oh, I want to like rancid, but I think I need to like self, you know, yell at the top to like off the mountaintop, like, Hey, I'm not really shitty for listening to rancid. <laughs> Let me show you why I'm not. Let me show you how self-aware I am. You know, like, like there's a vibe of that to what the, why I wanted to no, that makes sense. process this out loud instead of just, you know, to myself, you know, it's like the same thing of like, eh, I don't listen to those Angels of Light records I like a lot because there's all this swirl, you know, stuff around Michelle Gira. And it's like, I really like a couple of those songs. And it's like, what? it's interesting how much we change what you do like in the dark too. You know what I mean? Like what you do, like nobody would know whether or not I was listening to a Swans record or anything. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? 
there or you wanting to like be careful about what, listening to the Kanye record? Go listen to the Kanye record. It meant meant something to you. <laughs> like, and I think most people have kind of gotten to the point of in general, as long as you're not like taking fat stacks of cash and like going to every show and being like, I'm your biggest fan to, to complete shitheads processing things that have been your, something you've liked in the past when a favorite has let you down is perfectly fine as an, an individual. And it's more about as a society, what do we do to these people? That is the more complicated thing. That and I think that's where this is landing. You know, I think, for yeah, most people. I think so. And I, well, I think, I think there's also, there's the, this meant a lot to me. And so I still enjoy it on a, this level, like recognizing this thing, but there's also the question of like, what, what do you do or what, how do you like going forward with, you know, like new yeah, work, right? The next record. Yeah. The next I mean, cause record. like another person, somebody not to keep plugging songs for our lives, but uh, this has an episode hasn't even come out yet. The one I'm about to mention, but um, Claire Rousset and I talked about Mark Kozelik, who has written some of my favorite songs ever and is an deplorable piece of shit. And I mean, his records have fallen off a cliff and they just are, you know, whatever. But it like, it's one of those things of, okay, I can listen up to this point. I mean, he was a shithead the whole time, but like these are the, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't have any of the answers to this. This is just stuff that, you know, I, I, I think one is like just being aware of and like acknowledging it and thinking about it and being honest about it is, does it mean much? I don't know. Maybe not, but it's something it's like, don't put your fucking head in the sand or don't. I mean the, like the doubling down, which we see so much, you know, like when yeah, that, that's that the shit. fucking, that's really, you know, I mean, that's, that's this fucking, that's yeah. Like, ugh. don't like, at least just admit it and don't take it as like a, a weakness on your part that you like something that is shitty. Just go, I, I like hold both ideas in your head. Like yeah. it's, I, I, know, I know that can be hard for people. I like this, and this person was shitty, and on some level, me supporting it could be shitty. Huh? Okay. How does that make you feel? Like for a lot of people, it can make them feel uncomfortable, but still maintainable. You know what I mean? Right. And so, and then for others, it's not. And like, that's okay. That's life. That's the messiness of life. But to, like absolutely don't stop thinking about it and don't deny, deny, deny all that sort of like, no, I'm, I'm on team this, you know, I'm on, I'm, I stand Tim and like, you yeah. know, all this sort of thing. Like that's, that's, that's the end of the world. That's why we're, the world is coming that's to an end why, because yeah. of shit like that. Absolutely. That's why we are where we are. And yeah, exactly. Like we are capable of nuanced thinking. Exactly. Like, and so, yeah. We have a ranted podcast. We don't want to meet ranted. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I have, yeah, I have no. I do not want to be friends with any of these fuckers at all. I want to like, be, like, I want to be friends with Vic. I'm full stop. I want to be friends. <laughs> I was going to say, I would be, I, I, I again, yeah. Vic, but Vic is going to put out a record. Friends. I'll put out a record. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm more than happy. Like, I, I, you seem like a good guy. You seem like you're self aware about what's gone on with ranted. But like, yeah. I don't want to be these guys' friends. What they make is interesting to me, their well-being. I want them to be happy and healthy and smarter and kind of like go through some catharsis. And some of that catharsis would be owing up to some of this stuff. Like I still, 
I kind of feel like where's, you know, that you guys seem to have gotten better about a lot of things, but it's like the lack of awareness is still there where you guys still, they still double down, you mm-hmm. know, on a lot of this stuff. I, I really am interested if they will ever get to a place where they will talk openly about this shit. I doubt they will. Yeah. I like that they've gotten better. It seems like some stuff has gotten better for them in the past and they're being more honest about who they are and who they want to be. It's great progress. They're not owed anything though. Like they don't know they're not owed your time. They're not owed any favors. If you can't handle being a fan of theirs right now, that's more than fine, man. Yeah. Just for some of their other bullshit. Not even for that. You know, like they're I'm sure they've been pretty shitty at times. They they're famous for being kind people, uh, especially during their rise, you know, overall. But the the stuff that made them circle the wagons after that, I'm sure that belies some underlying bullshit with them, you know, and hopefully they've gotten better, but like, you don't, you don't owe them anything. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't have to feel like, Oh, I'm a fan. And if I'm a fan, it's a zero or a hundred thing, you know? Mm-hmm. No. So. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we do have one piece of feedback on this song. I think they're about to say a much better, um, version of what we just tried to say for <laughs> for 20 minutes <laughs> as always our 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 listeners are much better at saying all this shit than we are um i don't know the name of the actual person who wrote this they have some punk rock podcast i believe this yeah. is what i would read this as punk rock, punk rock light. light pod um on instagram says uh this is one of his favorite rancid songs with one of my favorite tim vocals wow so he's on pro yeah. tim tim insanity <clears throat> Uh, Tim Sanity, and uh, I know who the subject of the song is, and that should probably dull my affection for it. However, because it was in my life for so long before those facts were known, I've managed to compartmentalize it somewhat. Honestly, liking music used to be a lot simpler. Led Zeppelin fans don't seem to get tripped up by these issues. Yeah, this is like the funniest thing for me is like for years, that's why I had a really hard time with Led Zeppelin. You know, like I was like, are you kidding me? Like every story I've ever heard about Led Zeppelin is these these are scumbags. You know, like I'm supposed to like these guys and like, man, why? They got some gross shit in their songs too. Tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. And like, why do I care about that, but not other things? And then also, why do so many people not care? It's, and I'm not taking it to task as like, this isn't butter emails or, uh what about hunter biden i don't mean it that way though to like say don't look at rancid because you look at you know look at your own backyard it's the opposite i'm saying yeah this shit's complicated right (laughs) people are not consistent and and it's hard and and so i mostly would say most people want a little bit of grace on this stuff not not that you know it's hard to be this arbiter of like perfect morality as you go along being a fan of sounds coming out of a speaker you know so yeah no uh, i mean yeah i think there's yeah there's a lot of layers to all that i mean well and you know and it's like for me it's getting into like punk rock and stuff they're like the politics of it and stuff was very important to me the like yeah. like especially that's true especially growing up in oklahoma you know in a very right-wing conservative environment and like and having politics and beliefs that were the polar opposite of that and finding uh, camaraderie and other, you know, like-minded people in this scene and, and, and finding music that expressed those things, you know, like turn those things into art form, you know, and all that. And so in some ways it's like, for me, it was like, I, 
it hurt more or it hit closer to home because A, it was seen I was part of it. Like, I don't know, for better or worse, it was like I expected more from, like, if, like, you're espousing something in your art and your music that is whatever, you know, I, and then doing something like, you know, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, 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 I don't know that anybody was, and granted, I wasn't alive, but I, think, I don't know that people were looking to Led Zeppelin to like be this, like, you know, fight the power anti. Yeah, yeah exactly. Bastion <laughs> and morality. Right. Like, like, I think and, and a not, lot that of it, the, not that that excuses it, but I mean, I think, I, I think especially with very, like, and, and granted, Rancid have never been like super political. I don't think like in their, you know, I mean, we've talked about this a bit. They have but like, moments. they came from the Gilman scene, which right. has this purity test thing. Right. That, that, and, you know. and, and Op Ivy very much what, I mean, again, like, yeah. you, you know, yeah. and so they were for rightly or wrongly like associated and tied to those things. And so for me, especially as you know, when it was important to me as a teenager, like I had higher expectations. Like, yeah, like Led Zeppelin is super problematic, but I also, I, and, and I think it's gross. I, I don't give a shit about Led Zeppelin, anything about them, like whatever. Like, I, and I'm not saying that's right or right, but like, I, yeah, I don't, I'm not worried about Led Zeppelin fans. <laughs> and, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, but it's just, it's another, there's just so much to it that, again, the important thing to me is just like, try to have some self-awareness, be like, like, eyes wide open, be honest about it. Like, don't, it's uncomfortable. And it's, if it, and if it is uncomfortable, like if it's not uncomfortable, then that feels more problematic than if it is. And the fact that it's uncomfortable. And if, you know, you're listening to this and you think like, yeah, this is all very uncomfortable. Like, yeah, it is. And that's okay. And like, sit with that and explore that and think about that. Don't just, and, and again, we live in a time when discomfort, we try, I, I mean, God, I was having this conversation with my parents about parenting today. Like we like discomfort. It's like, Oh God, distraction. Don't, you know, I was, I was talking about when, when my daughter was little compared to when my niece, like, so my niece is 15 years older than my daughter. I just, this is like such a weird, distinct thing, but it's still like, yeah. Anyway, like I remember when, like if my niece you know, when she was like learning to walk or something or even older and like, say she was outside riding a scooter and like would fall and like not severely hurt herself, but you know, like bang your knee, you know, when you're a kid and you'd start crying and it hurt and everybody would like rush over and try to, Oh, you're okay. You're okay. And like distract her. And like, and when my daughter was that age and, and, and full credit to my wife, because this was like driven by her because I had was raised in the other I mean, you know, what was that? It was like, don't run over and distract her and tell us, okay, like acknowledge like, yeah, that hurt or that scared you. Oh my God, you seem really up. Like, and now, you know, my kid's 10 and does she remember that? No, but just seeing how she is, I mean, she's 10 years old and is better with acknowledging her emotions than a lot of adults I know. And like those kind of things. And so this is all going back to say like we are we are often raised and taught not to like oh this is uncomfortable like better fucking get away from that and you know you and I have talked about this before where it's like that comes from our brain being like bear fuck run yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. um but if it makes you uncomfortable that's not a bad thing and it's just yeah 
don't don't run away from it. That's yeah. Off my yeah, soapbox exactly. now. Thank you for writing in. Well, <laughs> goodbye. No, there's still, I think we still got to do more shit here. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let's, I do, this has all been really good, I think, and been a good summation of how we feel about this whole topic. I do want to talk about, I cannot let Life Won't Wait get away, or this podcast get away without talking about one of my favorite songs on Life Won't Wait and maybe taking this up a little bit of a notch of like, and here's why we do like all this <laughs> shit. You know, here's the op- uh, opposite side, which is crane fists, man. Like crane fists. Like we've been talking about silences. We've been talking about transplants and like all this shit. And I, I always point to crane fists as like, look, that's how you do it. This you is know? what it could have been. And- The Crane Fist, also on Life Won't Wait, Vix on it. Again, it's all produced by Tim and Lars, they say, but about 40 billion people were on this because they were in a billion studios. This is this wonderful, out of left field, I don't even think people realize how, because it's produced really cleverly in that it kind of slides right into the album, but it's this wild, goofy, horrorcore, Wu-Tang kind of samples, like... It's fucking Hammond B yeah. organ, you know, kind of like goofy. Um, I mean, it's very obviously influenced by like Gravediggers and Wu-Tang, you know, early Wu-Tang samples and stuff. And it's like a straight up hip hop track in a lot of ways, mixed with like a psychobilly sensibility and like kind of that Tim Burton hot topic thing going on, which that part of it I care less about, but it's kind of this funny combo. And it's just super catchy. It's super different. And I would say, I think it's written a lot by Vic. And I think I remember reading a interview where Matt talks about having a really hard time with this baseline because it's written in a way he wouldn't have written the baseline. Oh, that's interesting. Because I think Vic had written the core, like, progression. And he was giving Vic a hard time in that. And he was like, I just couldn't get that one. Like, And it's not that hard, but it kind of does have a non-bat. You come back and listen to it. And it's got a very not mad pr- progression, uh-huh. you know, and <laughs> and so I think this is like silencers too, a little bit, you know, and <laughs> no, I think uh, that makes a lot of sense. And it's like, yeah, I don't know, they're doing all this crazy stuff with the stereo field. Like Tim is way off in the left, you know, uh, for half the record. Lars is like ripping his vocals to shreds, and like he, you know, as we've always talked about with Life Away, he's on this. They really got crazy performances and recorded his vocals really well. They, they have that shreddy thing, but mm-hmm. it's still very melodic. It's a goofy song. It's like got this this level of winking and goofiness, but it also is, oh wow, you're really trying something. Yeah, <laughs> like this is cool. You know, this has the Sandinista sort of like, mm-hmm. oh, we're just we're 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 in hip hop. You know, <laughs> where, where did that come from? You know, and 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 it's not even like cool. Like I like that it's like uncool. You know, I like the uncoolness of the song so much. And yeah, it's what it, what might it be? You know, with like like Tim can fucking Tim was really truly trying to rap. This is like you know we talk about the Tim raps. This is Tim. This is like actually trying to rap <laughs> <laughs> and and pulling it off in the Tim way. You right. know, like it's not like he's a cool rapper. You know, like he's not like this badass MC. But like 
he, it works enough. It works with the way he, he's writing these the song. Right. And so it again goes, why did transplants need skinhead Rob? Like, I don't get it. Like, I, that I will, I mean, I, that I will never understand. I, I just don't. I mean, it was to try to get skinhead Rob some money, I think is the story. But. Yeah. I, I, I mean, he was his buddy. And, yeah. But fuck he, man. But like, like just write him a check. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like, Put him on one song and be like, yeah, this is, guess, you know, get his best take ever and put him on one song. They but did like, that. It was on Red Hot Moon. Yeah, exactly. It's true. <laughs> but it's, it's, it is a great example of like the range mm-hmm. of this, this record. And it would be missing. I feel like this record really would be missing something. If you skip this song because you're like, oh, it's a goofy, like organ song or something, like, don't skip this song. This no. song is great. You know, um, yeah, I just gush about this song because it's like it was always so important to me as like, oh shit, there's something here. Like <laughs> they're really trying something. And again, the more and more I realize, oh, this is a Vic song. Like this is that's why this thing's so fucking weird and different. And like uh he definitely has songwriting credits all over this song, you know. And uh and Lars has a lot of it, because I think Lars was really into the idea of doing a the spooky supernatural lyrics and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Like um I think that was you know, something that made Lars pretty stoked and and everything. And it's got that silly Halloween vibe. But, like, I don't know, like, uh, I guess in their minds, maybe they, they were still doing this. So by the time we got to roll the dice or whatever it's fucking called. Um, I think that's like, no, that's, I was like, oh, I think you got it right. No, we didn't get it right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, when they were rapping on that and just trying all these different you know, song styles on that. I think in their mind, they were like, Oh, we're continuing that sort of that in that mode, you know, but it's like, I don't know. 98, 97, 98 was a wildly good, fruitful time for these guys. And I think being around people, they were around the Vicks of the world, the beastie boys of the world, the, you know, all these people, they were getting influenced and it was positive and it was uh-huh. additive and they were challenged and like, you know, being around Buju Banton, you know, speaking of people, problematic people um but like they were they were trying things you know <laughs> like it wasn't even like really reggae or anything it was just this whole other thing yeah i anyway. i don't have anything insightful to add to that i think you kind of covered it but i i fucking i do love this song um <laughs> and if transplants had been this i'd fucking yeah. love transplants and i feel I, like yeah. it could have been and that's it could have been. It really could. And that's could the have sad been a more thing. That's fun, the shame. It could have been a f- more fun, little faster version of this. Just him with anybody that he could pull in a favor with, and I don't think that there's a. There's definitely a world where that still could have been a thing. Like Tim again. Tim does a couple different things with his life, and I think Tim is held up as like a Dave Grohl. Billy Joe Armstrong sort of person, not a more obscure type of person that he is now. You know right. what I mean? Like, I think he has a slightly different 2000s, you know? Yep. I, th- I think he looks a lot less desperate and looks a lot in the early 2000s, and he looks a lot less insular, and he gets a lot less being shit on, you know? And yep. Yeah. I think these two songs are two facets of that. You have the Brody thing, and you have the musical decision-making, you know? And... It's a bummer. It's a bummer. It's, it's like these great songs that are also huge bummers. And that's, 
<laughs> that, that, that could be the name of the podcast. Great songs that are also <laughs> Well, if we ever do another podcast, uh, <laughs> I think it'll be great songs, maybe huge bummers. Great songs, huge bummers. Great songs. Just, you, you gotta yeah. keep it for brevity there. Yeah. So. Um, all right. All right. Uh, that's about that's, it. Seems like enough rambling. Yeah. Gotta get moving. But yeah, Life Won't Wait for all its flaws is, I think, peak, peak granted. And if they ever even came close to sniffing this level of experimentalism and sort of joy, just joy. Oh, something we didn't talk about. But I did really realize that we make fun of them for ending their albums like three times of late. Uh, Life of Wait ends at least twice, <laughs> you know? Like the fact that they have like Grow the Heart of Gold into, uh, what's the name of the last song? Why, why oh my God. I've also said Brixton, but it's like, no, it's not fucking Brixton. No. Um, um, it's the, I mean, it's the, fuck. Coppers. Coppers, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, into covers like it's like one huge anthem into another huge anthem, and they somehow it like makes it work. They pull know? it like, off. Yeah, so that's, when, that's how you know things are going your way <laughs> when you can just keep ending it yeah. with anthems. Yeah, it's like <laughs> throw another one, anthem number two. Let's go oh, like, immediately. Just boom into the next one. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> it is. So yeah, the musical theater was strong with them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, yep. All right. Great album, obviously. Yeah, one of the, it's, yeah, it's that clutch of three records. It's, like, right there in the middle. Uh, It's probably the most messy, but the most, and most complicated, obviously, too. But, like, that is why you get the most interesting songs out of it, I would say. I think that's accurate. Okay. All right. Cool. That's, that's good. Um... I feel like once by the time this airs, we may have recorded the mailbag. Maybe not. Maybe not. Let's pretend not. Okay. Well, we'll act like we haven't. And so send in your mailbag questions. We may be recording it tomorrow, frankly, uh, if this is at a Thursday. Yeah, it's true. So this may be your last chance to get in all your questions about Rancid, about anything else. I don't know. Yell at us. If you missed anything from these albums, yeah. Yeah, if you missed anything from any of the episodes we've already done or from 2000 because we've already recorded that um, or from Outcome the Wolves because we'll probably have already recorded that too. Get it in there. Let us know. I don't know. See you in the pit.